0: Pastor Xavier Ruiz, and the message
1: behind the messenger. Jesus demonstrates that he was in authority. Notice Jesus quoted no rabbi, no philosopher, no king, no poet. <laughs> he had all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus declared that even nature knew the prophetic Even the day. The stones would immediately cry out. This day was by divine appointment.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How many times have you heard the phrase, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many times have you told someone you can be anything you apply yourself to? Well, today Pastor Xavier takes a heartfelt look at the life and destiny of the one and only who had the authority to plan out his life as ever he pleased. It's the simple truths he draws from the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and a message titled, The Triumphal Entry of Jesus. Let's
1: listen. Our Lord is in the last week of his ministry, Passion Week, being fully aware that his arrival will result in his trial, death, and death at the cross. Steadfastly, he has set his face to go to Jerusalem six months prior to the crucifixion back in chapter 9, verse 51, from Sister Philippi's confession on. Then he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem, Luke 13:22 tells us. And he never looked back. This was prophetic. Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem in what has been called the triumphal entry, but not from man's perspective, as we've stated many times, but from God's fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, it's recorded in um, Matthew 21, 1 through 9, Mark 11, 1 through 19, John 12, 12 through 19. So really, all four Gospels. I'll deal with this triumphal entry. Now, remember Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they that testify of me. John 5.39 John the Beloved tells us that the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy in Revelation 19.10, everything from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. It's the red thread. He's the fulfillment. So Jesus was born for this very day as a witness against the Jews, And all who will reject him. Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. According to the scriptures. Fulfilling his threefold office as Messiah here. In verses 28 to 48. Let me read. And when he had said this he went on ahead. Going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany. At the mountain called Olivet. That he sent two of his disciples saying. Go into the village opposite you where you are Enter, And you will find a cold tide, on which no man has ever sat, loose him and bring him here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosening him, thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. And as they were loosening the cold, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosening the cold? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes On the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then, as he was uh, now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works he had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher. Rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when the enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he went into the temple, and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him, and were unable to do anything for all the people who were very attentive to hear him. His triumphal entry. Fulfilling the threefold office of the Messiah. First, we have the triumphal king. In verses 28 to 40. Then we have the weeping prophet. In 41 to 44. And thirdly, the righteous priest. 45 through 48. King, prophet, and priests he's fulfilling in the triumphal entry. Let's begin here with the triumphant king. Notice in verse 28. Now as he's going to Jerusalem having corrected the disciples' wrong understanding about the coming kingdom. Because this is connected to what precedes. It says that when he has said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. Said what? The disciples were sure that Jesus was going to establish the kingdom as he arrived at Jerusalem. And so Jesus declared the parable of the minas in Luke 19.11. It stayed stated real clear. The disciples had just heard Jesus proclaim salvation to Zacchaeus there in Jericho, the chief collector. And perhaps they saw this as a preview of what was going to happen to everybody as they arrived at Jerusalem. The disciples had a discussion often, as you know, about who was the greatest in the kingdom. In Luke 9, 46, 22, 24, it'll happen again. James and John had asked for the right and the left hand to reign in his glory in Mark they even sent their mom to make intercession for them in Matthew 21. But Jesus says, do you know what you're asking? Are you able to partake of the suffering of the cup that I'm about to drink? Oh, yeah, Lord. He had no idea. They thought they were going to rule, but the kingdom wasn't going to be established. Jesus was going to die. Their agenda for the kingdom was self-centered. They wanted to rule, not serve. Now, the parable of the men is their focus on the nobleman who went to a far country receiving a the kingdom, because that's what they're responding to. And that he would return so that he delegated his servants to do business till he comes. In there, in Luke 19, 12 through 14. The nobleman represents Jesus in verse 12, and the servants, his disciples, in verse 13. And the citizens that hated Jesus are the Jews in verse 14. The nobleman had called the servants to reward them when he returned. And he rewarded them according to their stewardship. Those that multiplied it, he rewarded them accordingly in proportion. Verse 15 through 19. The one who buried it, he took from him and gave it to one, the others who had. Verse 20 through 26. You wicked servant. You could at least put it in the bank for interest. This is the bema seed of Christ that is spoken about for the believer. in Romans 14, 10. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. 2 Corinthians five ten. The motive of the heart will be the judgment. First Corinthians 4, 5. Not what we did, how much we did, but why and how we did it. Very, very clear. Those who rejected him, of course, were slain at his coming. Verse 27 tells us. First, this applies to the Jews who rejected him constantly. But long term, why? Secondly, to all Gentiles who will reject him until he comes again. Now, notice Jesus came from Jericho to the Mount of Olives. Now in verse 29 came to pass as he came to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet. A very important mountain. The route was the ascent. You always go up to Jerusalem. 800 feet below sea level there in Jericho. Up to 2,500 feet of Jerusalem. You're going up. This is probably the route they took. And the city of Bethany, uh, means house of dates, was two miles east of Jerusalem. And then you have Bethphage. It was a house of unripe figs, and it was also in the same vicinity. We're just not sure where that one is, but the same vicinity around there. Now, remember, Solomon had built houses for his pagan wives and the Mount of Olives in First Kings eleven seven. 7. Zechariah says in Zechariah fourteen four that when Jesus returns in the second coming, his foot will touch the Mount of Olives, it will cleave in two, split in two. And the river will go from the throne, from Jerusalem, out to the Dead Sea into the Mediterranean. The Mount of Olives... We'll give Jesus an incredible view as he comes over the crest. He will see the entire city, the temple. Beautiful. Overcome with emotion and understanding to perfection, as we'll see. Now notice in 29, at the end, down to 34, Jesus commanded his disciples to bring a coal. Jesus declared to them to go and they would find a coal tied, very specific. He sent his two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you and you will as you enter, you will find a cold tide. Uh, Jesus was God. Uh, He knew everything. The two disciples are named in all the three gospels. The cult is specific, a young donkey, as we'll see. Pointing back maybe prophetically to Genesis 49 10 through 12, the prophecy over Judah, the tribe that Jesus came from. And Jesus describes a particular cold, again, that's brought to Him, on one which no one has ever sat. Lose him and bring him. Who in the right mind would attempt to sit and ride a colt that had never been broken? Here you have nature yielding to its creator completely. Notice Jesus declared the objection of the colt's owner as well as their response to the owner in 31 through 34. In 31, Jesus prophesied, if anyone asks you, because that's what he's doing. Why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Again, being God, he knows all things. The two went and they found the coal exactly as Jesus had said. And the owner protesting as Jesus had said. Exactly. In 32 and 33. And notice in 34, the two disciples responded just as Jesus told them. They said, the Lord has need of him. Jesus, without any doubt, had prepared the heart of this man. He was probably a disciple of Jesus. Jesus had many And he saw that everything he had really belonged to the Lord. There's no objection. There's no difficulty here. Matthew and Mark confirm this, all these particulars. But Matthew adds a donkey, the mother of the colt, in Matthew 21, 1 through 3. In Mark eleven, one through six. So the as you read the synoptic gospels, they will focus sometimes on one aspect from the other. We've had two demoniacs and one focus on the one, and we have the jericho, the blind men, two blind men, others to focus on one, Bartimaeus, and they're not contradictions, but they're complements of the whole. You put them together, you get a full picture of it. Now John At this point, John 12, 16 said, His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him and that they had done these things to Him. Notice 35 to 38, Jesus accepted worship as King of kings. This is the only time Jesus ever allowed public worship of Himself. The um, disciples and people acknowledge Jesus as King. Notice in thirty five, the disciples conducted themselves as servants, obedient. Then they brought him the cult to Jesus in humility. And they threw their own clothes on the colt in serving Jesus and they set Jesus on him. But they have an agenda in mind. They believe the kingdom's gonna be set, established, they're gonna reign. Rome's gonna be knocked off. And notice the people gave reverence to Jesus, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Verse 36, the imperfect tense here indicates they kept casting their garments on the road to prepare his round, welcoming the king to the city. They were indicating their submission and honor to the king. In 37, the many disciples praised God the Father. For Jesus here. The event occurred as Jesus began descending. So he's come up from the back. He's going over the Mount of Olives. He comes to the crest. He's going to start descending. The descent leads to the Kidron Valley. And up to the temple area. The east gate which is right before the Mount of Olives. Jesus would also ascend to heaven from the Mount of Olives after the resurrection. Acts 1, through 9-12 tells us that. The whole multitude, notice of the disciples, began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. The end of thirty-seven, the twelve, the seventy, and the many that followed him beyond that. And the reason for the rejoicing and praise that's given to us for all the mighty works of God they had seen Jesus do. They interpreted signs of the arrival of the kingdom of God, and they were correct. It had arrived. The kingdom is present, but it's yet to come. They thought the kingdom is present and it's going to be set up. They had that Jewish mind, the present age and the age to come, the golden age, the millennial kingdom. The ministry of Jesus was in word and in deed and in power. The people were anticipating the kingdom, but they were wrong altogether. Notice in 38, the many disciples of Jesus worshipped him. They acknowledged Jesus as The King and Messiah saying, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord Yahweh. The word blessed means to speak well. We get our word eulogy from it at funerals. You speak well of someone. The perfect participle means has been and is now blessed by God the Father as the prophesied Messiah and King, the son of David. Notice they acknowledge the event was the outcome of peace and celebration in heaven. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This is the only time Jesus again allowed public worship of himself. And it reminds us of the announcement of the angels at his birth in chapter two fourteen. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So in his coming was peace towards man because he was going to be the Lamb of God to atone for the sins of the world. Now it's peace in heaven, glory in the highest because he's going to fulfill and terminate that atonement. Accomplish it completely so that all sinners have access to God. Now it is death, peace in heaven and glory in the highest because of this atoning efficacy of sins. And the ability to be forgiven for the whole world. John 3.16 Now, the quote is from the Psalms, which speak of the day of of his second coming, Psalm 118.26. And so, there's a short-term and long-term fulfillment, as we see often in Scripture. The prophecy had a short-term fulfillment in his first coming, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. The long-term fulfillment, the second coming, Revelation 19.16, as he comes back, Lord of lords, King of kings. And he destroys the armies of the world. There in the valley of Megiddo. Now the other gospels add Hosanna in the highest. Meaning save now. That's what Hosanna means. Calling him son of David, king of Israel. And say blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Affirming and convinced the age to come had arrived. But they were wrong. Notice the people were witnessing the prophetic fulfillment of Zechariah. The prophecy declared, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey. The colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah nine. Confirmed, recorded in all four Gospels. The prophecy, as you know, is tied to the 70 weeks of Daniel. The 70th, the last week. The first 69 weeks multiplied out 483 years to the day as we study that prophecy often. 173,880 days based on a 360-day calendar year. The biblical year of Genesis, not the Gregorian calendar of 365. The countdown began in March 14, 445 B.C., when Artaxerxes gave to Nehemiah the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. From that day forward... Taking four four hundred eighty-three years or 173,880 days. It falls right on April the 6th, 32 AD. When Jesus Christ did what? He's riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. Zechariah 9, 9. And so, the 69 weeks have been fulfilled. There's one week left. That's the seven-year tribulation that's to come. There's been an interruption called the church age. The age of grace. As God is picking the church for himself. Jew and Gentile one in Christ Jesus. Now, notice 39 through 40. Jesus testified to the appropriateness and timeliness of his worship. The Pharisees attempted to stop the worship. And some of the Pharisees called him in the crowd and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Remember, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day of Jesus. The Sadducees were the other ones. Then there were the political groups of Herodians. But the Pharisees were the religious hypocrites. They were actors, legalists. They were the enemies of Jesus, self-deceived and ready to deceive others to follow them. These Pharisees were in the crowd, envious of the praise and worship he was receiving, jealous of the glory given to Jesus. They did not acknowledge Jesus as Messiah, but opposed him constantly. They feared losing their position with Rome, John tells us, and the other Gospels. They wanted to put a stop to this. These Pharisees were commanding Jesus to rebuke. His disciples, implying that their worship was wrong, but that it was right. Prophetic, implying that they were mistaken, that he was not Messiah. John 12, 19 tells us that the Pharisees said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing? Look, the whole world has gone after him. In verse 40, notice Jesus declared that even nature knew the prophetic event. Jesus demonstrates that he was in authority. But he answered and said to them, I tell you. He quoted no rabbi, no philosopher, no poet, <laughs> no king. I say to you, he had all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus testified to the righteousness of their worship that if these should keep silent, implying that they would not, implying their error, by the request jesus revealed that even nature knew the prophetic event of the day the stones would immediately cry out this day was by divine appointment this day was a rebuke to them for not acknowledging it or jesus as their messiah as you know god had given to david a twofold prophetic utterance about Solomon and the Messiah Jesus, who would sit upon his throne in 1 Kings one thirty two to 33. And when Adonijah attempted to usurp the throne of David when he was dying, David commanded that Solomon, his son, be placed on his mule and ride to Gihon as king. Likewise, Jesus here in fulfillment rides into Jerusalem as king. On a donkey representing peace. A horse signifies war. He is the Prince of Peace, but peace will not be here till he returns. Now he gives us individual peace as we repent from our sins and we ask him to save us and forgive us and to rule over our lives. You are one of the two individuals here as the servant of the king, occupying till he comes that he gave in the parable the minas which they heard or the one who will not have him rule over you the choice is yours and men and women make it every day and have been for 2000 years each of us will be tested throughout life if we consider ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ to see if we are willing to put all things under his feet as our king and do service to him and him alone Or whether we will serve Him only When we get things When we think that things are going well Do you give worship to Jesus For who He is Or just what He can do for you Is it in every situation In circumstance Or just when things again are going good to your favor See they were excited here They they, they were convinced the kingdom was going to be set up Oppression's over, suffering's over, boy, we're gonna reign. They were wrong. Are you willing to reject the fulfillment of Zachariah's prophecy and say, ah, it's just coincidence? Despite the incredible accuracy of the prophetic utterance and the incredible odds against the chance, or are you open recognizing that this prophecy was fulfilled accurately? On the day, and Jesus was Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The triumphal King was Jesus right here.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a look at the heart of the sacrificial King. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, in the meantime, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is The Triumphal Entry of Jesus. It's available on CD as usual for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the message titled The Triumphal Entry of Jesus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How passionate is God's love for the lost? That's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back.